Good morning. I'm grateful to have this opportunity to share with First Church family. By my count, this is the 15th consecutive Sunday that we've had to do online services in order to uh, at least some way connect with each other. Personally, I want to thank our pastor, our church leaders, and the technical crew who make this possible so that we can indeed remain a little bit in touch. I'm sure that there are going to be countless studies that are done when the pandemic is over and people have a time to analyze what's going on and how self-isolation has affected us. I'm particularly interested in knowing how it has impacted families, where parents and children have been forced to isolate because of the pandemic and, and move out of the familiar routines of the past. I see it in my own neighborhood, where men and women who routinely used to just head off to work and kids who used to head off to school and daycare are now at home sequestered together under one roof. Parents have had to adjust their schedule in order to help their children with their online education and still complete some of their own work along the way. My guess is that children have loved it, parents have tolerated it, and grandparents have grieved it. My hope, though, is that people will have discovered again the beauty and the wonder of family life together. It has good and it has bad in it. And this is Father's Day. 106 years ago, the first Father's Day service was, was uh, done with the request of Sonora Dodd, whose own mother had died while giving birth to her. And sitting in a Mother's Day service, she realized that it was her father who had raised her, and she felt like he ought to get some honor as well. Growing up without a father, most of my handmade cards that we did at school for Father's Day were directed to my mother. And I've always thought it would be important to acknowledge as well those mothers who do a dual role in this matter of mothering and fathering as well. But I know, however, that this day is complex. Uh, For some, it's easy and positive thing to celebrate your father. You, You have a great heritage, a great legacy. You have worthy memories of this man who helped bring you into this world and raise you. Others, however, find it tough because they either didn't know who their father was or don't remember that figure, or if they do remember, it comes with complex baggage and unpleasantness. What I do know, however, and I want to direct your thoughts in this message on this day, is the power and the importance of the institution of the family, whatever that might be like for you. It is God's design that it would be as serve as a means by which we would sustain life, be a place where life gains meaning, purpose. But that's not always the case. Five years ago, 20 on street-level ministries in Winnipeg, our own Silo mission was a part of that, did a street-level census of the homeless people. They counted 1,400 people, but they did more than just simply count. 300 volunteers took in 24 hours, went individually and found people and had a conversation to discover what their story was. They discovered that 70% of homeless people indicated that they had become homeless at the age of 18 years or younger. And one statement that came out of this particular survey that particularly gripped me is this one. The most common reason for people experiencing homelessness for the first time was family conflict and breakdown. And also from that, one half of them indicated that they had grown up in foster care. 
One out of every four had indicated some measure of family violence or abuse was a part of their life. I want to celebrate the many examples I see here in our church of fathers and mothers who I observe and note as they particularly care for their children, where kids are appreciated and loved and honored as a gift from God, as, as the scripture passage earlier read indicated, a heritage from the Lord. Now to help hang your thoughts onto this a little bit, let me propose to you a word picture, a mental image if I could, that um, will serve as a framework for what I want to share this morning. Uh, imagine that you have decided, as some of you have, that uh, since the things are opening up a little bit, you're going to go on a camping trip. The kids are pumped, and you have your special place already reserved and picked out, and, and so you drive the miles to the location, you, you uh, begin to unpack things, and you drag out the tent that you just bought before you came. And you spread it out on the ground, and for the first time you discover that, that there's some parts missing, specifically the four main flexible poles that are going to hold it up and serve as the framework for it. Now, to think of trying to use the tent without those poles is, uh, is simply it would be like a tarp. And so you don't want to also give up because you've traveled a long ways for this event. And so... You decide you're going to do whatever you can. You find a bungee cord, you hook one end of the tent up to a limb nearby, you find a, a used uh, a single a, a ski pole in the car from last winter and you prop it up. You find some branches and wood from the uh, woods in the area and, and you make do. And it works, sort of. It's not how the maker designed it, but it will have to do. Can I propose to you that parenting is, in some ways, a little bit like that? There's a plan and a design for the family, the ideal family that God put together. But we don't always seem to get everything that we need. We, we usually don't get it quite right. But it's the best we can do with what we've got. To continue with the image, allow me to suggest that there are four primary roles that parents need to live out and bring into the lives of their children. And all four of them are important. But I'm going to give them to you in a sequence that I've, I'm also tying to an age level. Because I think that it is uh, certain things are essential and important for us at particular seasons and times. And this, in a sense, will provide more of a fulfilled and effective way of life. The first one is a time to love. Age is birth to age five particularly. And now understand this, the choice to start a family, whether it was a, a plan or an accident, in many ways is an act of surrender, a willingness to give up a significant part of your freedoms and your rights in order to have a child. Before you had a family, you had the freedom and independence to do more or less whatever you wanted to when you wanted to. On a spur of a moment, you could decide to go off uh, to, uh, to the mountains and hike one of your favorite trails. All you had to do was grab a few things, stick them in your knapsack, and, and you headed off in that uh, impractical but beautiful little car that you so loved. 
You spent time lingering and spending whatever time you wanted to enjoy the beauty of the world around you. You enjoyed the wonderful meals with peace and unbroken conversation. Your money, for the most part, went wherever you wanted it to go. When you became a family, that all changed. Nothing happens on a spur of a moment or spontaneous. It, it takes a strategic plan before you go anywhere. You've got to have four changes of clothes, a bag full of diapers and wipes and formula, and a selection of the favorite toys of the moment, a car seat, a stroller, a portable bassinet, all to be inserted into that very practical and functional van that you had to trade your beautiful car in on to get. Income's usually impacted, and so money is limited, and you worry about what you will do and where you will go and how will you make it for the future expenses. Your conversations in the, the short, are short spells between shifts, and sleeping is a, in is a distant memory. The testimony of Daniel and Ashley Reist captured the truth, didn't it, of the changes and the challenges that came to their life when Isaac and Emmett came into their world. And in a note that I sent to Mike and Heather Roy on the death of lovely Evelyn, I noted that they never would have known the kind of pain that uh, having a child and becoming a parent would bring. But every parent also knows that from the very first moment that you hold in your arms this miraculous gift of a child, that all the shifts and changes and sacrifices are worth it all. Psalm 127 simply states, you are blessed. Our whole life from that moment on becomes a surrender of one set of freedoms for the sake of loving another. Interestingly, your surrender of freedom transfers to a ch this child you have transferred to a set of freedoms as well. Two things that I think are important about this kind of love. First of all, that it does provide freedom. Love provides a freedom in the life of this child. So much, so much uh, is true in the verse that declares perfect love casts out fear. Love frees us. Social scientists tell, have concluded that the normal development of a child's life, uh, there is a need for them to begin to venture out and find independence on their own. The very act of crawling and walking and seeking something new it requires a freedom and security and safety. Uh, last week, Ryan and Stephanie noted that the last time that we were together uh, in person, their youngest was a small infant who needed to be carried into this place, but is now walking around and, uh, and uh, creating all sorts of interesting challenges. Remember how that was when your children began to walk and take their first shaky steps? You, you could tell what was going on in their mind. They would hold on to the coffee table and they would eye the, the next chair or couch that was nearby. If it was across the room, they wouldn't try it. But, but if it was close by and, and that, they felt they had the security to start making that shaky journey to where they were. They just needed to know that there was security and safety, something that was there in order for them to be free to move on. We had friends who, a number of years ago, adopted two children from Romania. The orphanage was overrun, was understaffed, and so only minimal care was given to the children. And at the age of two, the girl that they adopted had been limited all of her life to a crib. 
She was kept clean, given a bottle for meals, but she couldn't walk and she was terrified by human touch and locked in a prison of fear and uncertainty for no other reason than the absence of freedom and human touch and loving care. Love also, I think, expresses itself best when we have fun. Now, there are actually people who study these kind of things. I was interested that they discovered that the average toddler smiles and laughs about 400 times a day. Take a guess what old folk, uh, parents, uh, we laugh about 16 times a day. I might be pushing it a little bit, but I think that might be why Jesus said, unless you become like a child, you'll not see the kingdom. Maybe that meant that uh, unless we become, know how to laugh like a child and play like a child, and enjoy life like a child, well, who would want you around anyways? Part of teaching the lesson of love is the actual matter of finding ways to have fun and celebrating those, to enjoy those times even when, even when they're problems. Gary Small and Smalley and John Trent did research once to find what was the most common element in families who seemed to have a very close bond, and they found that it didn't seem to be a specific matter of education or social standing or financial uh, status. In, in fact, close and intimate families, they discovered, uh, seemed to be across the, the boundaries of all sorts of things, came in all shapes and sizes. And about the only thing that they had in common is that all of them had stories about disastrous camping trips that they could sit back and laugh about afterwards. Certainly, our family is rich with those kinds of stories. Now, I'm not suggesting that you make plans to have a bad camping trip. I know from experience, they just are naturally going to come. But when talking about the importance of memories and those things, bring into them as well, sometimes those things that we have succeeded and overcome. Celebrate the memories. The first element is love. The second element is a time of discovery. This is ages 6 to 12. Now, one of the things God didn't create in us is a substitute for experience. So these are the years when a kid heads off to school. Uh, they've mastered the skill of walking and talking and now are looking and finding ways in which they will understand the more abstract concepts. And this is the time when they need to learn values from us. We are familiar with this particular proverb that tells us, train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. The word train here is a mouth word. It has to do with taste. And it means that when you give a child a taste for things that are spiritual, they won't forget those when they grow up. It's not a guarantee of salvation, but it is an indication of appetite. Parents, there are things that you're going to do in life that will indelibly imprint on their mind and life the things you value. There are things in your life that will develop the appetite that they have in your children by what you have modeled. Now, sometimes parents... Uh, try to justify their actions for excess and with a statement, I just want my children to grow up having the things I didn't. And we could easily build into their life an appetite for things that are material or temporal, things that won't last. Your primary goal 
is not to give them what you did not have. Your primary goal is not to be a success in making money. Rather, your primary goal is to be a spiritual leader, to live in such a way that it brings glory to God in, in the life of those who you have been entrusted with your care. Fathers, it's not your wife's job to pray with the kids and read the stories in the evening. It's yours. Parents, it's not the children's worker's job to monitor their spiritual growth. It's yours. In this time of discovery, some of the things that you will supply that will be important for them is security and safety. That comes in the forms of rules and regulations and laws by which you, you are asking your children to live and will provide them a sense of that security. We find it uh, secure, don't we, when we're driving down the road that the people out there who are also driving are abiding by the same set of rules and regulations that we are. It would be a very insecure place if people simply disregarded red lights and stop signs. Can, can you imagine driving across a bridge that has no guardrails on it? It's just pavement that ends and drops away. There's something important about those securities in our lives. May, may I suggest as well that simply laying down the law is not effective unless it is done with love and nurture. Therefore, you need that first tent pole. Think of it like an investment. You make huge deposits of worth and value into a, a child's life in this stage of their life, and you're probably going to need it because the next uh, stage of life, adolescence, sometimes feels like you're just doing withdrawals. You provide security for, by guiding your child with respect and appreciation, listening to what it is that they have to say and leading them to respond appropriately. Consider these wise words from Colossians. This is in the Amplified Version. Fathers, do not provoke or irritate or exacerbate your children with demands that are trivial and unreasonable or humiliating or abusive, nor by favoritism or indifference. Treat them tenderly with loving kindness so that they will not lose heart and become discouraged and unmotivated with their spirits broken. What laws do is give us something that we can depend upon and rely on. This is especially important as in the value-shaping days that happen in these times prior to adolescence. It is critical that we understand that a multitude of changes are about to happen in the life of children at this point in lives, and laws and standards for living and life are important. Jesus even referred to his heavenly Father as the vine dresser who comes and prunes and trims what is there for good. The third tent pole, or maybe the toughest of all, is a time for sacrifice, a time to survive. This is ages uh, adolescent, 13 to 18. The goal here in that child's life is not to prove yourself to be stronger than them, but to see your job, fathers and mothers, as equipping them for the future, helping them to sharpen their skills and tune their abilities. This is the time where they seek for independence. They're, they're going to take risks that leave you feeling anxious. This is where, for the first time, they're going to drive the car without you in it. They aspire to climb mountains. Uh, they desire to trek off to far and distant lands that are remote and dangerous. 
One of our daughters even adopted the motto that said, I'd rather live one day as a tiger than a thousand as a lamb. How comforting was that? This is a time of survival, not just for them, but for you as well. And there are two ways we can accomplish that. We need to supply partnership and patience. By this, I mean standing alongside of them, affirming the changes which are taking place in, the, in their lives at all levels, no matter how frightening it might seem, drawing to them in areas of support, not fighting the fight for them, not doing it for them, but being with them along the way, also helping them to know when to take a stand and when to retreat. Paul's words of, of a father's advice to the Thessalonian church is similar to that, where he said, For you know that we dealt with you as, as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. This is supremely the time for protection as well, opposing those forces and factors that are going to be surrounding them that would rob and pull them away from the essential values they need for life. We do this by helping inform them of the dangers of this world and life, by praying with them and for them and praying for their protection. If we have loved them well, if we have helped them to learn and discover the laws of life, the lessons about staying alive and surviving will also serve them well. The fourth, the final tent pole, if you would, maybe the easiest in some ways, but also the hardest. I've simply called it a time for letting go. This is ages 18 and onward. This can be a time when a fuller type of relationship grows and develops between parents and child. Youth matures and sees the wisdom of parents. Parents mellow and see the importance of a longer life in light of love. In this season, we uh, supply simply an acceptance of limitations. This is the time when parenting is so, so much not a matter of doing, but of delivering. Passing on the importance of pursuing a dream, of setting goals for life, that can't be accomplished uh, by holding on to a child, only by letting go. Not by being present with them, but releasing them to the journey, trusting them and God with their future. Joshua 24 tells the account of Joshua doing just this. Joshua, you might call, served under Moses in helping the children of Israel leave Egypt. When Moses died, Joshua stepped in and took up the mantle and led his people into the promised land. And it was Joshua who apportioned the properties to the various tribes. And it was Joshua who was there to help them as they fought their battles along the way. And he's pictured all the way through this time as a man of great courage and, and deep faith and a faithfulness always to God. Chapter 24 comes when the, the wars are over, the battles are done. Life is growing comfortable now and settled for his people. It is also a time when he realizes that the years are growing uh, slimmer for him and there's not many days left. And he knows the greatest test of his leadership is not going to be about what took place in the past, but about how they survive into the future. And so in that time, he calls them together to gather in Shechem, and he makes no demands. He doesn't call for a declaration or commitment, though one does come. It is supremely a time of letting go. 
And he only declares this statement, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There is a time like that in families as well, when all we can do is remind ourselves and our children where we stand, what we value, and who we worship. When parents have done a good job on passing on the lessons about love and learning and staying alive, as hard as letting go might be, the transfer into adult life is simpler and easier for them. It's easier to point them in a direction and let them go, knowing you've done the best you can to prepare them. Focusing in on the future that will require helping your child secure their dreams and overcome the obstacles that they deal with in life. Believing in their ability to make a difference and trust that however shaky and faulty things might be, you at least have determined to remain faithful in the belief that you hold to. A small group that Audrey and I are a part of is made up of people who are retired. Our, our children, for the most part, are grown and, and on their own. And Delrose Laxton has encouraged us to read a book called The Gift of Years. And one of the early chapters has to do with regret. And I know almost universally that when people of our age are asked what it is that they regret, it's family that comes up, our children. Regrets about what we did or what we should have done. The word picture that I started off with of this wobbly tent set up with spare parts is maybe a reality for us all. We don't always get it right. I'm, I'm fortunate that my children have been tr tremendously gracious and forgiving, so we must have done something right. We have real limitations. Parenting is tough and it's messy. Except that few things will be as we want them to be and need them to be. But often, just doing your best is enough. There's a scrap of a stanza in a poem called Sharing that says, There isn't much that I can do, but I can share my hopes with you, and I can share my fears with you, and sometimes shed some tears with you, as on our way we go. And wherever we go, may it be that we will seek the leading and the direction of our Heavenly Father. May God bless you all.